chapter thirteen of the whispering man by henry kitchell webster this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirteen geoffrey smokes a pipe it was about two hours later that i found a chance to make this confession to geoffrey he was in his own rooms when i arrived at the atlas and we went out to dinner together then we came back to my quarters and settled down for a long talk he heard my story now with an attention close and serious enough to compensate for his lack of it before he asked me to tell him everything that had happened since the night i had left his room and called in mr stancliffe and i was glad enough to comply with his request and there we are i concluded when i had brought my narrative down to date she must have done it or else have seen it done and that's a conclusion which i find it utterly impossible to accept i'm willing to give up all belief in evidence i'll burn my book if you'll produce one of those inspired guesses of yours that will solve the riddle i was conscious when i spoke of a half-serious hope that he would then and there perform the miracle i had asked of him at any rate i spoke gravely enough being willing to risk the grin of derision with which he would in all probability greet my words but he answered as soberly as i had spoken even if i had such a guess it wouldn't do much good we should have to build up to it with the plain brick and mortar of fact and inference before we could ask anyone else to accept our guess as anything but raving he ran his fingers through his hair and then drummed with them on the table evidently he was as completely perplexed as i then he took up mr stancliffe's note which i had tossed across to him at an earlier stage of the conversation and read it again you have not seen miss carr since you left her that night out in flatbush he asked presently i shook my head nor heard from her i added you say you didn't get a good look at the man she thought was pomeroy nothing you could call a look i answered but she seemed to have no doubt about him and you've neither seen nor heard anything more since this note from mr stancliffe nothing whatever i wish we had him here to talk to now he's very clear-headed yes geoffrey assented i wish so too he must be pretty busy with the clue he speaks of he broke an appointment he had to pose for me this morning broke it by telephone neither of us spoke for a moment then he pushed back his chair and got to his feet haven't you got a pipe somewhere drew he asked mine are all at the studio and cigarettes are no help in a puzzle like this i want something to bite on i don't know whether either of these will draw said i producing a couple but you are welcome to try my suspicion about them proved well founded but a pipe was what he wanted and after selecting the one that seemed the most promising he methodically set himself about the unpleasant task of cleaning it it's queer said i the effect of association that smells have it's so much stronger than sights or sounds that pipe takes me straight back to dr marshall's office i told you how frightfully it smelled of stale tobacco he nodded absently 
miss carr was speaking of the same thing to stancliffe and me i continued it was the night we took her up there she said the office was a chamber of horrors to her but it was the smell and not the sight of it that brought the whole thing back he could not have been listening for he looked up now rather suddenly what's that he asked say it again it's not worth repeating but he was looking at me with a strange intensity say it again he commanded for the second time i want to be sure i understood you exactly so feeling rather foolish i began my little essay on the associative powers of smell again when i had finished he threw down his pipe and literally clutched and tugged at his hair with both hands his eyes were shining like coals what in the world is the matter with you i asked you were wanting an inspired guess a little while ago well i've got one that's all he sprang to his feet and began pacing excitedly up and down the room plunging his hands into his pockets one minute and pressing them against his head the next as if he feared that something struggling in there would burst it drew did you mean what you said he demanded stopping in front of me and looking straight into my eyes did you mean it are you willing to throw reason to the winds and take a leap in the dark we may find we have wings and we may not i meant it absolutely said i you can't produce a guess too fantastic for me to accept as a working hypothesis he nodded curtly turned away and resumed his patrol of the room after a moment he stopped again have you read today's papers he asked i haven't yes said i why it's all right then he answered irrelevantly enough nothing's happened to her yet happened to whom to whom he repeated to that poor girl out there alone in flatbush to gwendolyn carr you mean you think she is in actual physical danger physical danger he shouted catching the words out of my mouth she's in mortal peril to-night if any one ever was well there was no denying that this was a guess whether it was inspired or not time alone would show the inference of extreme peril to miss carr from the smell of stale tobacco from an old pipe was not a logical process at any rate Geoffrey's manner had quieted down rather suddenly he was looking at his watch well it's only half past eight that's one comfort he said they go to bed early out in those parts but there's still time you have her telephone number haven't you somewhere in my pocket-book said i rummaging for the card what do you want me to tell her over the phone tell her not to go to bed nor up to her own room tell her not to be alone in any room she must have someone with her all the time until we come and tell her we are coming as fast as an automobile can bring us i'll order mine from the garage as soon as you've done talking to her i suppose my expression was still incredulous for he came up to me and put his hand on my shoulder there isn't any time for explanations really he said it's life and death now this question is going to be settled to-night 
the whole of it the martial mystery and all but we must act first and think afterwards if we are going to be in time his earnestness convinced me although his reason did not before i had got my connection with the telephone that i wanted in flatbush a good part of my belief in the validity of jeffrey's guess had oozed away it was one thing to stand half spellbound while he talked me into a decisive acceptance of his extraordinary theory it was another thing to prepare to deliver the message he had entrusted to me into the mouthpiece of an unresponsive telephone i asked for miss carr she's not here said the voice a woman's at the other end i told the voice who i was hoping that with the knowledge it would prove less uncommunicative but don't you know where she is the woman inquired her voice showing symptoms of alarm i was hoping she had gone to see you she disappeared about an hour ago without a word to anybody she hasn't been outside the house before in several days and she certainly is not fit to be outside it now is she ill no there's nothing the matter with her except that i am afraid she's going crazy for several days she's seemed afraid to go out of the house or be left alone and in the night she wakes up screaming but there is nothing you can call the matter i tried to get her to have the doctor but she wouldn't she spoke of wishing to talk to you that's why i thought maybe she had gone to see you now my further questions elicited nothing valuable in the way of additional information i asked what miss carr had seemed afraid of but it appeared that the landlady hadn't been able to make out though she added she couldn't have been more afraid if she had expected to be killed my heart felt like lead when i hung up that receiver and turned back to jeffrey she's gone said i hoarsely they don't know where she is and jeffrey for four days past they say that she has been beside herself with terror terror of death they think and jeffrey how did you know how could you have known if it is an inspiration you see i am ready to believe anything why in god's name couldn't it have come before it was too late before he had time to answer me there came a ring at the bell i hope that's stancliffe said i yes said jeffrey rather soberly with an audible ring of excitement in his voice i hope so too it was not stancliffe whom we saw in the corridor when i flung my door wide open but on seeing who it was we both cried out together jeffrey and i thank god for it was gwendolen carr herself i have a vague impression that the desk clerk was there beside her half supporting her and that he stammered out something apologetic for having brought the lady straight up without announcing her in advance over the phone but my phone had been busy for so long a time and the lady seemed in haste at the time however neither jeffrey nor i could spare enough attention from the girl in the doorway to give much thought to the desk clerk's apologies she was very pale and her eyes had in them that same wild hunted look that i had seen there the night i had gone out to flatbush after her for a minute or two until we had got the door shut and had her seated in an easy chair she managed to retain a superficial appearance of self-possession 
thanked the desk clerk said good evening to me and bowed to geoffrey when i pronounced their names he had never seen her before except at the inquest but the moment it was possible for her to slacken the nervous tension which had driven her to undertake this journey and had supported her through it she fairly broke down struggled against her sobs for a moment and then allowed the torrent to sweep her away i stood miserably by trying to think of something to say or something to do and from a sheer failure of mental resourcefulness did the best thing the thing that geoffrey was doing from another motive namely waited in silence for the torrent to spend itself when at last the sobs had given place to long tremulous breathing geoffrey flashed me a signal to the effect that he would do the talking himself i was glad enough to have him for i didn't know what to say myself can you listen while i tell you something he asked it's nothing you have to think about all you have to do is to believe that it's true we have just found out mr drew and i that you have been in serious danger for the past few days we know what the source of that danger is and it's quite finally over now all you have to do for the present is to believe that she had rapidly recovered her self-possession but i wasn't in any real danger she said at last at least not until to-day before that it was just just dreams and fancies and i think the mysteries and bewilderments that have beset me lately are enough to account for them never mind what it was it's past now said geoffrey and the mysteries and bewilderments are over too or will be within a few hours before morning i hope at any rate we know who it was who killed dr marshall i stared at him in stupefaction and was about to utter an exclamation of astonishment but he motioned me to be silent then i saw or thought that i did that he was telling her these things with the simple idea of calming her fears gwendolen herself did not start at his words if anything her tired body relaxed a little deeper in the chair she breathed a long sigh of infinite relief then she turned to me does jack does mr marshall know about it yet know who it was who killed his father not yet said i i was acutely miserable at having to take a part in a deception which though kindly meant seemed bound to prove mere cruelty in the end geoffrey however was perfectly at his ease and he added we'll let you take the news around to him yourself presently then after a moment's thought he spoke again you came directly here from your boarding-house in flatbush did you not miss carr yes she said as directly as i could come and had you any sort of misadventure on the way anything that seemed like an accident nothing at all you didn't get the idea at any time that you were being followed a quick alarm lighted up in her eyes but she answered steadily enough no not once geoffrey drew a long breath of complete satisfaction it's perfectly incredible good luck he said then he asked rather irrelevantly it seemed to me what sort of person is your landlady can she keep her own counsel gwendolen smiled 
if she were told that it was for my good that she would do so yes for she is very fond of me where is the telephone in your house out in one of the public rooms no it's in a closet under the front stairs then said geoffrey quietly i'm going to get her on the phone and ask you to talk to her you will tell her if you please that you are quite safe then find out if she has talked about your disappearance to anybody especially to any of the boarders tell her to light up your room as if you were in it and to tell anyone who asks about it that you are there now you needn't get up i can put the phone on the arm of your chair so during the five minutes that it took to carry out these rather singular instructions geoffrey paced slowly up and down the room but more with the air of one who is merely waiting to put into effect the next move of his programme than of one trying to decide what his next move is to be i was looking at him in undisguised wonder but his only reply to my look was a smile of anticipation and triumph if he had lied to gwendolen in saying that he knew who had killed dr marshall it was evident that he expected to make that lie the truth before any necessity for undeceiving her should arise when gwendolen had finished her conversation with her landlady she put the telephone over on my desk and rising went over to another chair which permitted a less informal attitude i am sorry i made such a scene when i came in she said i'm quite right now so you needn't feel that i must be handled like something that might break or explode any minute for these last few days i have thought i was awake when i was dreaming and that i must be dreaming when i was awake i couldn't tell which was which if it had lasted much longer i think it would have driven me mad but it's over now what is the next thing you want me to do she asked the question of me but did not seem surprised when geoffrey answered it from the time when i had spoken of the odour of my pipe i had been utterly unable to trace anything like continuity in his ideas well he was arriving at the truth in his own way and heaven knew i had failed dismally enough to find it by mine but his capacity for surprising me seemed unlimited when gwendolen asked what we wanted her to do next he dropped down comfortably into a big chair as if there were no hurry in the world and said i'd like to hear something about those dreams of yours when you seem to be awake and the waking things that seemed as if they must be dreams it is a little hard to talk about she said you see i haven't really slept much since the inquest since that evening when mr marshall came up to see me do the dreams go back as far as that no those first nights were just simply wide awake there was nothing terrifying about them the first of the dreams came the night you took me home she turned to me as she said it the night we met pomeroy on the sidewalk or i thought we did at any rate that was the night you thought you were going to sleep i observed i remember perhaps the whole thing is just a judgment upon me for having boasted to you and mr stancliffe that i meant to get off that night without a bromide you spoke a minute ago geoffrey remarked as if you doubted whether the man you passed on the sidewalk was actually pomeroy you were quite sure of it at the time weren't you that's where the puzzle begins she said 
i don't know whether he belongs with the dreams or the realities you've seen him more than that once yes she said not again that night but every night since then you saw him at night where did you see him was he going by on the sidewalk or did you see him in the yard it was i who asked this question and it brought a most astonishing answer he wasn't outdoors at all he was in my room have you seen anyone else in your room besides pomeroy Geoffrey asked it might have been the most matter-of-fact question in the world from the tone of his voice she hesitated a little over the answer it makes me think i am losing my wits just to talk about it she said i've seen dr marshall too in your room just as pomeroy was yes more than once every night after that first night after the night i saw mr pomeroy outdoors i mean what did they do when you saw them pomeroy and dr marshall i mean it was marvellous to me the way he kept his voice from showing the strange mysterious thrill which her words must have caused him whatever he felt his tone expressed nothing but a keen common-sense interest they didn't do anything she said i would be lying there in bed awake feeling sure that i was wide awake trying to keep my mind down to sensible everyday things and then suddenly i would see one of them standing there in the room what light did you see them by there's a big arc lamp on the corner that shines in through my window and makes a patch of bright light in the middle of the room it's there he would be standing whichever one he was and then i would cry out and wake myself up only it wouldn't feel like waking up except that the thing i had seen would vanish but it still left me feeling as if i had been awake all the time there was a little silence after that but before either of us spoke she went on again of her own accord of course it's easy in the morning it has been that is until to-day to say that i've just been having nightmares and that there is nothing to make a fuss about but when night comes round again and when you know you're awake know it as well as i know it now you still went on taking your bromides i suppose said geoffrey yes one every night but they didn't do me any good they didn't even make me feel sleepy you never took a second one when you thought the first one had failed to have any effect no never why not the doctor who gave them to me the doctor out there in flatbush told me it would be dangerous to take more than one oh it wasn't for myself that i cared there hasn't been a night when i didn't feel a temptation to take them all at once and go to sleep anyway whether i ever woke up or not didn't seem to matter not to me that is but i've kept saying to myself that i mustn't run any risks that if i were to die now especially in some such way as that with all that you and mr stancliffe know pointing straight against me it would be too terrible for him for she was not able to complete the sentence but i could have done it for her i saw what she meant and again i marvelled at her courage if she were to die die of an overdose of sleeping powders no power in the world could ever convince her lover that she was not his father's murderess 
there was no expression in geoffrey's face at all save of the most concentrated thought but now he said an exceedingly curious thing you haven't taken all the powders yet miss carr have you you must have one or two left one she said looking at him wide-eyed he drew in a long breath and expelled it violently as a man might who had just had a narrow escape from something it is the natural course of things he said i suppose you would have taken that to-night yes i suppose so some of your landlady's boarders are more or less transient i presume he said a new one or two coming in every few days yes there are one or two of them who have just rooms who take their meals elsewhere yes you said something a few minutes ago to the effect that until to-day it had been easy to be sure during the daytime that you had suffered from nothing but bad dreams what happened to-day that seemed to mix up dreams and reality more than they were mixed up already my room has a hardwood floor she said and this morning when the light fell across it slantwise quite early this morning before i had gone down to breakfast i saw a print there on the floor right where i had seen the ghost standing in the night and i got up and looked at it it was the imprint of the heel of a man's rubber showing the criss-cross marks that keep you from slipping a new rubber but it had been a little damp and a little dirty and had left a mark and the mark was not there the night before End of chapter thirteen